0: Hi everyone and welcome. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. Do you know what time it is? Well, of course you do. It's Wednesday, November 15th and it's time for your midweek Bible study. I'm so excited to be with you. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Today is James chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 14 to 26 and talking about faith that results in good works. In this study today, we're going to discover that James is going to make the case that how a person acts is a sign of the kind of faith that they actually have. He'll insist that it's not enough to mentally agree about certain facts of God. If what a person believes about God doesn't lead them to act accordingly, then their faith is not saving faith. It's just opinion. James will also say that we are not saved by good works, but rather for good works. And his point is not that works must be added to faith, but the genuine faith includes works. We're going to unpack all of that in just a moment. But before we do, join me in an opening word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we celebrate you, we worship you. Lord, teach us this amazing passage today, often very misunderstood, but it's going to be clear from your word. I am confident of that. So thank you in advance for all that have come to study with us today. We are grateful in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and amen. Turn in your Bible or Bible apps to James chapter 2, starting with verse 14, and let's read today's passage. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? You see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Some now may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God? Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Amen. Powerful scripture again today. Let's dive in. Verse 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Here's the first question today. What is the connection here between faith and actions, or works, in other words? Can you have one without the other, and is that biblical faith? The person who claims to have faith obviously thinks that their faith alone, without any good actions, in other words, works done or deeds done in obedience to God, is satisfactory in God's sight. However, faith not accompanied by deeds has no saving value. Anyone can say they have faith, but if their lifestyle remains selfish and worldly, then what good is that faith? It's merely faith that believes about Jesus, not faith that believes in Jesus. James says that kind of faith can't save anyone. Instead, that faith that saves, the faith that saves is faith that proves itself in the actions it produces. I believe there's two images that help us to remember the importance of genuine faith. On one side are people who project confidence in their standing before God and yet show no evidence that their faith affects any of their actions. They may even take pride in the fact that they can believe what they want and that no one has the right to challenge their faith. They may say, after all, only God really knows for sure. On the other side are people whose lives demonstrate such a frantic flurry of activity that they literally have no time to think or talk about their faith. These people whose lives at first exhibit the marks of someone who believes they really turn out, though, to have doubt. They doubt God's acceptance and they feel compelled to work very hard in hopes of gaining that acceptance. But trying hard to build merit with God becomes a substitute for faith. James helps us see that genuine faith will always combine deep trust in God and consistent action in the world. It's not the one who claims to have faith, but the one who actually has faith who is saved. Someone may ask, but what if genuine belief never really gets a chance to demonstrate itself in action? One instance of genuine faith given little time is the thief on the cross who believed in Jesus, Luke 23. With death drawing near, this man acknowledged Jesus as the Christ. Did his short-lived genuine faith lead to real action? Absolutely it did. The dying thief said a very profound set of words when he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom." The thief could not possibly have known how many times his simple trusting witness during his final agony would give hope to others who felt that they were beyond God's help. Most of us have a great deal more time than the thief on the cross. Do our lives count for as much? Do we declare our faith and then demonstrate its vitality through our life? Next is verses 15 and 16. They read, Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Here James gives a hypothetical example to illustrate what he just said in verse 14. What's his point? This hypothetical example may have been someone in the church as he addresses them as brother or sister who is in real need. To be without food or clothing is to be in a desperate situation, yet all too common in that time. There is hardly a church today within whose walls there are not persons who live without adequate food and shelter. He continues in verse 16, and you get the idea that something definitely needs to be done for this needy person. There should be plenty of clothes and food in the fellowship to care for this person, but the person was sent away empty-handed with a prayer over their head, but no clothing on their back or food in their stomach. Beloved, too often we in the church offer mere words, prayers, advice, and or encouragement when we're really called upon to act. The need is obvious and the resources are not lacking, yet there's no help given. James says, what good does that do? Faith that does not result in actions is no more effective than a pious wish for the poor person to be warmed and fed. Words without action accomplish absolutely nothing. Next, verse 17, it says, So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. James concludes his example by saying faith by itself isn't enough. What does he mean by that? A conviction or intellectual belief that refuses to obey the commands of Christ is unprofitable. In other words, it's dead. James is saying that good deeds are the fruit of a living faith. If there are no positive actions, then the professed faith is dead and useless. The right actions prove our faith to be real faith. Believing involves faith-keeping company with action. If those around us note our actions, they should be led to know the faith that motivates them. If others hear us speak of faith, they must also see us act out that very faith. Next, verse 18, it says, Now someone may argue, Some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, How can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. James continues to contrast faith and deeds here. What is his point? This someone in the scripture considers faith and good deeds as separate and alternate expressions of Christianity. In other words, you do your deeds, I'll have my faith, and we'll be religious in our own ways. But the two cannot be separated without ceasing to be alive. Faith lives in the action it generates. Actions require faith to gain a particular meaning. James responded with a challenge. How can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Faith can't be demonstrated apart from action. Faith is within us. It can only be seen by the action it produces through us. Anyone can profess faith, but only actions show it to be genuine. Verse 19 is next. It says, You say you have faith, for you believe that there is God? Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. This verse is perhaps the strongest statement in scripture on the difference between knowing about God and trusting in God. What is James's point here? The acceptance of a creed, even a true one, is not enough to save anyone. The demons have complete and thorough conviction that there is one God, but they're terrified by that truth. They believe in God only to hate and resist him in every way they can. Their faith even moved them to a negative reaction while the faith of some of James's readers isn't real enough to even give them a shiver. The demons tremble in terror, the verse says, and demonstrate that their faith is real, though clearly misdirected. Verse 20 says, how foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Here again, James addresses this hypothetical person he's been talking about. What does he call him and why? James calls that person a fool. The foolish person is literally a hollow man. If the faith around which we build our lives turns out to be empty, we are truly hollow people. When will we ever learn that faith without good deeds is useless? There are times when we need more teaching or understanding in order to respond to God's direction. I get that. But most often we know what needs to be done, yet we are unwilling to act. When it comes to putting into practice what we know, It should be our habit to obey God. Verse 21 is next, it says, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? James now turns to historical figures from the Old Testament to confirm his teaching. Who is the first figure mentioned in this verse and what did he do? Abraham is the first person James speaks out about. He was one of the most revered figures of the Old Testament by the Jews. Abraham's remarkable obedience to be willing to sacrifice his son at God's command was evidence of the works for which Abraham was made right with God. What was Abraham doing when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? He was trusting God. The lesson we can draw from Abraham's life is not a comparison between his sacrifices and ours. We can expect that in one way or another, our faith will grow from internal trust to external action. Eventually, like Abraham we too are going to have to answer the question, do I really trust God? Verse 22 is next. It says, you see his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. In this verse, James continues to make the case that genuine faith in God always leads to something. What is it? Genuine faith leads the believer to obey God. That's it. Abraham had great faith in God, but James points out that Abraham's faith was much more than just belief in the one God. The fruit of Abraham's great faith was his deeds, the things he did, the works, in other words. This verse says his faith was made complete by what he did. His faith produced his actions, and his actions completed his faith. Mature and complete believers are produced through perseverance in trials. Mature and complete faith is produced through works of obedience to God. Faith and works should not be confused with each other, but neither can be separated from each other. Verse 23 continues, And so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. The question is, what was the result of Abraham's belief in God? Because of Abraham's belief in God, God gave him the status of a right relationship with him, and this happened before Abraham's words, such as his willingness to sacrifice Isaac, and even before Abraham was circumcised. The scriptures to which James is referring here is Genesis 15, 6, which says, And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. James showed that Abraham's righteousness was was the basis and reason for all those actions. Because of Abraham's great faith and obedience, he held the privileged status of being called the friend of God. Acting out our trust in God will lead to friendship with him just as it did in Abraham's case. Verse 24 is next. It said, so you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Here's the question. Again, James draws our attention to the union between faith and deeds. What is his point? And do you think this may contradict what the Apostle Paul may have been preaching and teaching? First of all, look at the verse again. It says, We are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Many have said that this contradicts Paul's position who wrote in Romans 3.28, We are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. If both James and Paul use the term shown to be right or made right, which means justified in the same way, then yes, This verse would contradict Paul's teaching about justification by faith alone. But for James, shown to be right refers to God's final verdict over our entire Christian life, whereby we are declared righteous for having lived a life that was fruitful to the end. For Paul, being made right is the initial granting of righteousness upon a person's acceptance to Christ. For James, what we do, the deeds or works, are the natural products of true faith. For Paul, works, in other words, obeying the law, are what people were trying to do in order to be saved. For James, faith alone is the shallow belief in an idea, no commitment or life change is involved. For Paul, faith is saving faith, the belief that brings about an intimate union with Christ and results in salvation and obedience. Paul made clear that a person enters into God's kingdom only by faith. James made clear that God requires good deeds from those who are in the kingdom. A person receives salvation by faith alone, not by doing works of obedience, but a saved person does works of obedience because of that faith. For people who rely on their religious busyness, let's call it, for their salvation or merit before God, Paul's words are critical. Those works alone can do nothing to save them. For people who rely on their intellectual assent of a belief with only a verbal commitment, James's words are critical. Their belief alone can do nothing to save them. I think there are two questions that can help us monitor our own spiritual health. They are, number one, who do I trust? And number two, why am I working? If we trust anyone, including ourselves, other than Christ as the source and provider of our justification, we are lost. If we're acting for any reason other than in obedience and thanksgiving to Christ for what he's done for us, we are lost. We only find true salvation in Christ. Out of our trust in him, action will definitely flow. Next, verse 25, it says, Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. After showing how Abraham's saving faith caused him to act, James now cites one more example, one more person from the Old Testament. Who is it? It's Rahab the prostitute. Just as in the example of Abraham, Rahab was shown to be right with God. That's what it says. God's final judgment on a person's life considers the righteousness that a person shows through works. But why would James bring up Rahab? Rahab was a pagan woman with a bad reputation. But these two people, as opposite as they were, cemented James's argument. Both people were shown to be right with God. Why? Based on their actions that were the result of their faith. The contrast is not between faith and deeds, but between genuine faith and false faith. Now we've come to the end today. Verse 26. Here it is. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Our final question today. As James completes his teaching, with what does he compare faith and works, and what is his final point? James says that faith and good works are as important to each other as body and spirit. Good deeds are not added to faith. Instead, the right kind of faith is faith that works, that results in good deeds. Otherwise, Christianity is nothing more than an idea. No one is moved to action without faith. No one's faith is real unless it moves him or her to action. The action is obedience to God. This draws us back to James' words in the first part of the chapter concerning care for others. The believer must do what God calls him to do, serve his brothers and sisters in Christ, refuse to discriminate among them, and help them out with good deeds. Understanding how faith and deeds work together still doesn't mean that our lives will be different. James is about to continue with a series of life situations that we all encounter. It is in these everyday events that we demonstrate our faith to be alive or dead. From time to time, we need to take our own spiritual pulse by matching our lives with God's word. But we also need to have people around us, the body of Christ, whom we can ask How do you see me putting my faith in Christ into action? Isn't that amazing, folks? Now, in just this short time, we have been talking about faith and works. I hope this has been a great encouragement to you. I hope that if you've had any questions about this combination of faith and works, that it's settled now. Next time we come together, we're going to be looking at James chapter 3. We're going to look at the entire chapter, verses 1 to 18. We're going to talk about two topics, controlling the tongue and wisdom from heaven. You don't want to miss that. I look forward to being with you. Thanks again for taking time to be with us today. What a joy to have you with us. I hope that you and your families will be blessed. I hope your churches will continue to thrive. Have a great rest of your day and week. We'll see you right back here next time. Until then, God bless you. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.